1: And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Lara Hyman. She is the host of Redefining Yoga, a podcast about, you guessed it, yoga, but also movement and productivity. She is also the creator of the Lit Yoga Technique, and she's got an advanced degree in physical therapy. She's been revolutionizing yoga based on three principles, physiology, kinesiology, and neurology. She's taking an approach that is much more approachable than most people think of when they think of starting to or approaching yoga and maybe dipping their toe in. And that's what we talk about in this conversation is... How movement in the body and knowing your body can help with productivity, with energy, with health, with focus, and that it's a lot less complicated than you might think it is. It's simplified. So if you're somebody who already does yoga, you will probably still find something helpful in this conversation. But if you're someone who has heard about yoga or knows people who do yoga, but you don't, and I've always thought, maybe I should try it. I don't know. What's this yoga thing about? We will also enlighten you, illuminate this topic in a way that personally I felt gave me a much better perspective on not just yoga itself, but movement and physical presence and awareness of your body, which is always a good thing. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Lara Hyman. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Lara Hyman. Lara, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I'm really excited and honored to be here.
1: Yeah, so am I. I am excited that you're here because honestly, I don't think we've ever touched on Uber specifically, yoga, but let alone movement and body and brain connection. You know, that's the beauty of having a show called Beyond the To-Do List. I get to go off in these tangents of productivity that are directly related to productivity and most people don't realize And then it gets to be some cool, super surprising, like, oh, I didn't realize that fill in the blank here. So you're a perfect guest for this. You have your own podcast. That's another thing I'm always thrilled to do is talk with other podcasters because there's a certain just level of professionalism in terms of recording that happens. So super glad to be talking with you today.
0: Well, thank you so much. I love talking to other podcasters as well, especially in a different kind of niche, even though there's a lot of overlap because I, spend a lot of time talking about productivity, how to be more productive, how to be more efficient, how to be more awake. All of these are, I think, endeavors we all want and we're just overloaded in our brain with information. And there are lots of techniques to help us feel more productive. And like you said, sometimes it's overlooked. Movement is kind of is the keystone for it all.
1: And it's funny because secretly this show is all about me just getting free, like consulting, To be honest, it just seems that way. It's funny to say that out loud, but it's true. That's actually the origin of the show in a lot of ways. It was like, wait, I want to talk to all these cool people and like learn from them. But then it was like it snowballed into something even bigger than it ever was. And so, but I say all that to say like right now, I'm kind of finding myself in a okay, 2021 is over, 2022 is started. We're past the holidays. We're past the supposed point in time where you're supposed to start resolutions and change your whole world and your life all at once. Now that we're past that and we're close to like ending quarter one of this, I'm kind of in a reboot mode, like an all-encompassing reboot mode. And I know that that's not necessarily the right way to go about it either, because most people, they'll say, pick one thing, gain momentum, add to it, roll that momentum over into all areas. There's a lot of little micro things that I've already done you know, and made progress with and had streaks with that it's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to kind of line all the ducks in a row again and just start moving forward because it's not necessarily the same scenario right now. And one of them for me is health and definitely movement. I have never done yoga. I have a friend who loves yoga and he's very much my body type, kind of a bigger kind of a guy. And he finds lots of benefit from it. So I kind of want you to just convince me why should I do yoga?
0: <laughs> well, I, let me convince you why you should do my yoga. Okay. Because I do think yoga as a umbrella has the same goal in a way, no matter what form you're practicing, but the execution of it and therefore the kind of commitment to maintain it and do it and have it become a lifestyle. Does vary, you know, so traditional yoga that you might have seen, you know, in pictures, whether it was 20 years ago or even a year ago or today, really shows a very flexible body doing kind of shapes. And with this idea, like you too can do this if you practice, there's a dedication and then there's like a roadmap, and maybe you'll be able to be this flexible. And that is like an image that I think most people can't ever create. And it's not to be negative. It's just, it's not inclusive for Mm. a lot of people. And so in my practice, I've been practicing and teaching for the same amount of time I've been a physical therapist, which is 27 years. And, you know, after a while, this more classical, what you would see more on the internet or in books, I found that it wasn't a movement practice that was serving everyone. And like somebody like you who might be new to it would try it, and feel like a lot of failure in it and not feel like it was for you. So that's what I hear a lot. Oh, I'm not flexible for yoga. Oh, I tried yoga. I didn't really like it. And what I want to convince you is if you practice in a way with the the same kind of ethos, which is being awake and paying attention so that you feel more balanced in your life. But if you do that in a way that is a little more methodical and more practical, honestly, you will fall in love with it because unlike other forms of movement, it really summons a very particular type of focus and attention. Not that you don't have that in running, not that you don't have that in weightlifting, but it, all the distractions, it's really like you and the mat. And so it's really bare bones and paying attention to how you're breathing, how you're moving, where you put your hand, where you're holding so that you can mobilize a joint. So my type of yoga lit is really, I say bridge the gap between physical therapy and yoga, because I found that yoga was not being taught by people who actually understood the body. So they were really just calling out poses and hoping that you, Eric, could just kind of mimic it. But mimicry is not the same as embodiment, whether it's me or somebody else. You need to learn from someone who's actually telling you the how and the why, you know, and, and the other ways that you might do it in your body that is different than somebody who's been practicing for 10 years. So the reason why you should do it is that it's gonna make you feel freaking awesome. It's gonna make you feel very different than some of the repetitive exercises that also have value. You know, running has a lot of value, cardiovascular system. It can be great for clearing your mind and decreasing your stress, but it's a repetitive movement in a what's called a sagittal plane, which is the plane we live in most in life. You know, we walk, we sit, And our body needs variability. It needs complexity. It needs lots of movement in different planes because that's how our joints are made. And so yoga, I think, does that better than almost any other movement practice. It's really taking you through all the ranges that your joints need because your joints are what are driving you through life. And if they're not moving well, those are the areas that you will feel Tissue restriction, you'll feel joint compression, you'll feel grumpy. You know, it's like if you've been sitting on a plane for seven hours and you get up, you don't feel great. And it's because everything's gotten compressed. And that's from the tissue that surrounds the joint to the joints themselves to the organs. You feel like you've been sitting seven hours and you want to take a nap. So the idea with yoga is to get you moving, to get you stronger. So that you can hold yourself against the different forces like gravity against your own body weight. But doing it very intentionally and deliberately, it's almost an antidote to the kind of, you know, social media or or marketing ploys of like when you talk about New Year's. I always say any day you wake up and you want to reset, that's awesome. You don't have to wait until these markers. But what you do need to know is it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take a lot of tenacity to be committed and that's like any habit formation. So when you talk about these little tweaks, movement, exercise is the keystone habit that changes everything. We know this from the research that's been done if, if you've read the Atomic Habits, but it's all based on movement because when you move, you're hitting every system. You're hitting your neurological system, your musculoskeletal system, your cardiovascular system. So it's, it's really you get the most bang for your buck and yoga will not only just move you, but it will move you in the way your body craves to move.
1: Interesting. Okay. Did
0: that you on it?
1: Honestly, it did. I've got a couple of thoughts. So let's see. Number one is you're talking about sitting for seven hours and then needing a nap. And I'm like, wait, have you been spying on me during my workday?
0: <laughs> this is everybody. Everybody, it's, it's here. everybody. Like, yeah, all day. Then so they're like, I don't have time. I don't have time or energy to exercise. And I'm like, well, you know, you have really just—I mean, your brain is going to sleep when you're not moving. When you move, just a quick biology lesson that's super simple. There's cells in the brain that contain mitochondria. You might have heard that in high school, and mitochondria is what is needed for energy when your body moves. So when you move your body, you create more mitochondria and therefore you create more energy. So the opposite is also true. You're not moving. You're not summoning those mitochondria to be inspired to grow and support the body because the body isn't commanding it. And yeah, it makes total sense. It's like Newton's law. Things at rest want to stay at rest. So inertia is really something very powerful that we have to to be able to override and, and hopefully not get into that inert place. And that's the other thing yoga does. It really tunes you in. So not just when you're practicing, but when you're sitting at your desk, you're going to not ignore the signals. I mean, your brain, your body's giving you signals during the day. It might be in the form of like your back starts to ache. You start to yawn. You start to space out. These are all messages that's saying, please get up because I need it. The brain needs it. The blood needs it. The lymphatic system needs it. And what yoga does is it actually, especially my kind, because I'm educating people so that when they're in their daily lives, they're like, oh, wait, my low back is like really feeling it. This is my signal. I need to press pause. I need to get up and I need to move for five minutes. And so you actually become a finer-tuned instrument, so you don't have these overriding that your brain will do, because if you just are constantly sending messages to your brain that it's ignoring, it looks at that as like, that information isn't as important.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting that you're bringing this up, because the words or phrases of data- and your body telling you, you know, giving you data as well as self-awareness on this level have come up a number of times over the past few months. And it's really interesting to me to hear that. So I'm I'm very in tune with that right now. So it's interesting. One of the things that also occurred to me as you were selling me on it is this idea that yoga is movement, but not in the same way that like the most modern mainstream, oh, I've got to go out and pound the pavement and other phrases like that, you know, that are this high intensity hustle mentality, almost even just grinding constantly types of motion. And I like that this isn't that, though those things have benefit if you do them the right way. I, en- mm-hmm. I personally really enjoy walking. I walk the dog. I go for walks myself. I go to walks with friends. This is why I'm kind of like, well, if there's a way for me to gain a lot of benefit out of one, not having to leave the house and two, do some of these motions that are going to help me throughout my workday, especially if I can be more in tune with the signals and the data that my body is giving me, then I can pause reset throughout the day. We all know productivity. Take breaks. Duh. That's a dumb moment when it comes to productivity though we don't do it all all that often. This is a way to maybe level up a break, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Like you can read everything, but if you don't apply it that it, you know, it's not going to be manifested. And so that is an issue with everyone. I mean, we all feel too busy to d- even get up and go to the bathroom. You know, it's like kind of ridiculous that we've placed this holy grail of just when you talk about grinding on the pavement, how about just grinding at your desk? Yeah. And you know, productivity is producing something, but I would ask you like to what end? Like, are you producing something efficiently? Are you producing it with some amount of joy and enjoyment? Are you producing something such that you aren't also at the same time reaping some kind of cost? People can be convinced and I, and I have convinced a lot. I've gone to corporations. I work with so many people from professional athletes to executives, and everybody needs to just have it as a daily habit. To me, it's better to get up and move for 10 minutes of every hour than to wait all day for that hour of pounding on the pavement or riding your Peloton. You can do both, but you absolutely have to do the first because that movement is doing something, you know, again, the brain is the biggest computer. I mean, for the data that you're, what you're getting when you move you will reap the benefit. You will be more productive. We know how much clearer you will be when you're not just sitting in front of a screen or writing, whatever you're doing, that you're just sitting and stagnant, taking those breaks. So having timers, having, I have some executives who, you know, don't like to have timers, but they put sticky notes and they're like, every time I see that sticky note, I think of you. And sometimes it's just, hey, check your posture. Maybe you're not going to get up and move because your posture is your, It's your starting line. So if you are slumped during the day, you are really putting yourself way behind the starting line whenever you do begin to move. So there's lots of things you can do that don't even require you to get up and move right away. But how are you paying attention to just the way you set up your ergonomics, to set up the computer so that it's at eye level, like like we are right here, not beneath you. So you're always looking down, your head is always sliding forward, getting that chronic neck pain I mean, lots of blood flow comes up through your cervical spine into your brain and, and you literally are compromising the blood flow, the oxygen there. There's little wonder people get headaches all the time. Well, those headaches are preventable if you work on your posture and then you get up and move and breathe better. So yeah, I could go off on so many tangents here, but I think the bottom line is whatever works for you, whether it is put a timer on your phone for every 50 minutes, you get up and you move for 10 minutes. And that could be different types of movement. Again, you could go on my app or some other app and be like, okay, right now I need to open up my shoulders and I'm going to do some shoulder exercises or some thoracic spine opening, or I'm going to do some squats, or I'm going to do some jumping jacks, you know, that variety is is super important for the body and the brain. And it's so stimulating at a cellular level, you know, because from a cellular level, we are always craving homeostasis. And just like being productive is not a single line, it's it's a it's a spectrum, balance is the same way, homeostasis, how are we balancing ourselves from the inside out? And that is always showing up in how we work and how we're productive. So if we're not doing it internally, we will never be able to be as productive, we'll be a lot less productive and a lot angrier and grouchier and depressed. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: So I love the way that you phrase it or the way that you've named your yoga technique as lit. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was like, oh, it's L-Y-T, Lara's Yoga Technique. I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Thank you. I love that you've got this background in physical therapy to then add to the yoga practice and or technique, I should say. What insight then does that lend to someone like me who's rebooting or others who are listening who, again, seven hours straight or more in a chair most of the time without moving? I'll be generous and say we get up and we use the bathroom and we get up and we go get lunch or grab a snack and then sit right back down. Mm -hmm. I know that it can be as complex as we want it to be, but what's the simple starting point in terms of what's a minimum viable, like, you know, set this amount of time or do this amount of motion just to get started and not even talking about like getting into like full blown practice, but just, you know, inching into it to gain confidence in it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, everybody will be a little different because everybody's kind of rhythm is different. So some people are a lot more awake in the morning. Some people are like kind of wake up as the day goes. But I think that bottom line is first schedule it. So, for instance, I'm like everybody else. I have a very full schedule, but I go in there before any of my team can schedule something and I will block out parts of my day. Now, I'm lucky enough that I am moving as my life. It's my profession. I planned that. I knew from a young age, I did not want to be somebody who sat at a desk, but I still do sit a lot more now being a CEO and having a lot more online stuff. So block it out. Like we don't give ourselves permission. Like you're saying, you give yourself permission maybe to go to the bathroom, to have lunch. Eating is a form of nutrition. Movement is equally, if not more important right? It is part of, when we think of like the the absolute kind of basic things we need to survive, we need to eat, we need to go to the bathroom, we need to hydrate, we need to sleep, we need to move. Movement has to be on that list. So just like you would schedule your lunch, first of all, schedule some kind of movement and block it in your calendar so there's no excuse. So then you're like, okay, I'm going to give myself, so starting off, 15 minutes, like that's nothing. You know what I mean? That's like a bathroom, like plus something. 15 minutes and then just get on the ground, get on all fours, start to mobilize the thoracic spine, doing some thoracic mobility, lift your knees off the ground, get into a down dog. That's great because you're getting, it's really, anytime you get weight through your hands, you're getting like a direct hit to your core. So your core is not just your abdominals. It's everything that you need for life. It is literally your scaffolding of your spine, your pelvis, and your shoulders. And it is what helps you sit tall, move well, breathe well, and feel well. You know, they've done studies on mice, and I I think this is the cutest study, and they had some mice who did their regular kind of little like gerbil wheel. And then they had other mice do like acrobatic Obstacle courses and they looked at their brain and the brains of the acrobatic mice were like four times bigger and the gray matter was much denser, which means that this protein called uh, brain derivative neurotropic factor is, is something that is needed for what's called neurogenesis, which is brain growth. So, you know, get on the ground like a kid did and move around, get up on, you know, get the core engaged by having your hands on the floor, do a plank, do some squats. Do some squats rising up on your toes so you get your feet involved. Our feet are really rigid and weak because we don't, you know, we're not standing enough. We're not moving enough. We put them in shoes and make them a little cripple, you know. So it's like get the energy moving through the body 15 minutes and then you will start to crave that. And so just like any habit, the feedback reward is needed. You will feel better when you come back to the computer. You're going to feel more awake, more alert, mentally clear. You're not going to be so cluttered. And then you'll crave that more. So I would say start small, but absolutely schedule it. And why people don't do this, I don't understand. Like schedule it in your day, not at the end of the day, because how many times do people go through... Sitting for seven hours, feeling exhausted. And the last thing they want to do is move. It's and it's antithetical, but that's actually what they should do. But you need to move during the day so that you create that. And then watch how your day changes. Watch how you have more focus, more attention, more engagement and Dare I say more happiness? Because the brain also, the, all we know about serotonin and endorphins, when we move, we are sparking those. And so I think notice how different it is. Maybe, t- maybe write down at the end of the day, today felt this, you know, journal about it because you need all these different inputs into your data to confirm. We know the bias is there. It absolutely works. But for you personally to continue to be committed, have different, just set yourself up for success. Make the time and schedule it.
1: Yeah, definitely schedule it. Definitely put it on your calendar so that somebody else can't claim that time. And honestly, a lot of people, when it comes to the calendar, that's one of the, like like a to-do list is one thing. An email is another, but your calendar is almost sacred above all else, right? And then having it there so that, again, somebody else can't claim that time from you. Now, are we talking, like, somebody just getting started, ideally, you'd want to do more than one, I'll call it a session, but, like, one break or session of 15 minutes in a day. Probably, like, two in the morning and two in the afternoon. But that's Absolutely. that's me overreaching, saying that's what I think I would probably want to get to as a normality. But, like, somebody now... I think even if they could just do it once in the morning and then start there, and then once you feel like that's working, add the afternoon. And I'm not saying like, hey, don't go for your walk in the morning before, you know, if you normally do that, go do that. But like, this is an essential vitamin in in a sense that's missing from the rest of your, quote, physical activity diet.
0: Yes, absolutely. Walk Walking is something that everybody should be doing more of, but it's not enough. It's not enough for that movement variability for your, your lung capacity, for your posture, for your core. So to your point, get it to the point where you crave it so much that, you know, I have lots of people in my life who take my classes and they are at work and they block off, you know, whether it's I'm teaching 845 to 10 o'clock, they block it off. It's like I'm in a meeting, you know, and I know if you're working for somebody else, that might be harder to do, but... This is what I'm also, we're really getting into corporate and the corporate world now. And just, we know from talking to human resource people that resilience is the biggest term. I'm sure you've heard of it in terms of workers. Their resilience is super low right now. People are just depleted. They're feeling really puny. They're not feeling motivated and they're not happy at the workplace. And so I'm hoping that even within the workplace, if you aren't your own boss, that you can convince your boss, your manager, whatever, that this is needed. You know, there, there was a guy who, and I don't know his name, and, um, but anybody can look him up. He had a small company in California and he did this experiment where he thought, like, instead of the 40 hour work week, why don't I give my employees, they'll get out every day at two o'clock. It was instead of like an eight hour day, it was like a four hour day, uh, maybe five hours. And we're going to do this for the next four months. And they lived in California, so they get out, they get go surfing, do whatever. And of course, what you noticed after that is their productivity doubled, even though they were working almost half the time. So we need to convince all these employers that people are going to be more productive when you give them the time to take care of themselves as a non-negotiable. This is not like a luxury. Like I said, this is just like you would give somebody a lunch break. They absolutely need a movement break. And maybe it won't be an hour, but it can at least be 30 minutes. And so it certainly if you work for yourself or have a lot more of that control, you need to expand that 15 minutes. You could be broken up. I'm fine with that. Or take the hour and and do a really great leg class because it'll carry over in your day. Everybody that practices with me in the morning says, I, I can't not do this. I am so much better, whether it's a busy mom who's got managing CEO of the household to, uh, you know, somebody who's working at a desk. The benefit is is massive. And it then it becomes like the absolute need that they wouldn't miss.
1: Yeah. I, I'd have to imagine, you know, aside from greater energy, increased productivity, like your focus and your mental clarity go up. That right there is a test to the, uh, the brain and body connection obviously.
0: Because what you're doing is really, and especially when you're paying attention to alignment, which is what I teach a lot of, because when you start paying attention to how you're holding yourself in space, where is the scapula in relationship to the, you know, how is it holding on the back? You are training your brain to focus and all the other stuff in there is just like wiped out. At the end of a practice, it is amazing. You almost feel it is, you feel like a natural buzz because it is like, ah, oh, all that crap that was in there that I had no other way really of clearing. And what do we usually do? We just again, watch a movie or something to zone out, but that's not actually clearing out. So we can do all of that. We can still watch the movie at night, but you've got to clear like so much. We are, we are just bombarded with information. In a way that our brain was not prepared for in its terms of its evolution. And it needs the tools to help to clear it, to help decide like this is important. So when we start paying attention going in, paying attention to our body, our breath, how we're moving, the quality of that movement, it totally changes your nervous system.
1: I think we're getting hints of it throughout this conversation. What is like the defining maybe differentiator for you as to why your lit? approach is more beneficial because you've got this physical therapy aspect of your approach that you bring to it. And I and you know, I am I'm hearing you talk about specific body parts and things like that. I've never heard a yoga person, if that's even a real term, talk about <laughs> it in that way. It's always, like you said, calling out poses and or mimicking versus right. actually learning about what's proper and, and helpful.
0: Well, I would say the best way to think about it is if you go to a yoga class, you're going in with all of your suboptimal stuff, meaning how you typically habitually hold yourself up, how you would lean over to get something off the ground. That is hardwired because it's your habit. And most people, just because we weren't taught as a kid, like how you hinge at your hip versus rounding your back, there's lots of ways we can execute a movement that is not necessarily long-term beneficial. So when you come into a regular yoga class, you would be, again, directed how to move and you're going to actually take your suboptimal patterning. We all have some degree of it. And then you will actually reinforce it because we all also have this programming that benefited us long ago in evolution to move with the path of least resistance. So if I had you in class and I was like, Eric, lift your arms up, then fold forward without any direction, you're gonna do it in the way your body knows how to with the path of least resistance. So you, you might thrust your ribs and then you might round in your back. So you're gonna do what I ask you to do in the way that you have done that in fact is only going to further exacerbate the imbalances. What is different about my approach is I'm assuming everybody needs some kind of recalibration. So we start at the beginning with what I used to do with my stroke patients and anyone who had a neurological insult, which is called the reset. And we reestablished what is a neutral spine and neutral pelvis? Why does that matter? How do you use your hips? So we get on the ground because the ground gives you a lot of information. It's where we develop. It's called the developmental sequence. So if you've had a kid or ever watched a kid, they come out, you know, they're all floppy, they start to develop, lifting their head, they get up onto all fours, rock around, they start crawling, they come into half kneel, and then they come up to be bipedal. And in that development, they're developing their brain, they're growing their brain, they're growing the area of the brain that is responsible, the motor cortex for movement, for stability in the center. So we can always go back to that knowing that if we get on the ground and we do like a bridge pose and I tell you how to do the bridge pose as opposed to just lift your hips up, flare your ribs, tilt your pelvis. So I tell you how to do it and it's a re-education. And then we get into the abdominal core and it's not just the six pack, it's how do you hold deep within as you start to move your limbs. We get into all fours. So we really take, we revisit this hardwired, developmental pattern that we all went through to get to be bipedal, then we start moving in a more what would be identifiable as a yoga way. But every step along the way, it's how you do it and the reason why, not just as you were able to. So not just the path of least resistance. The biggest difference, I guess, in summary is I'm educating you how to move better in life. And in that, this is an education A form of yoga that helps you be a better human because you're going to move better, breathe better, feel better. And then that just naturally makes you act better. So being more patient, more generous, more attentive, more focused, it all happens because of the intense amount of concentration and resetting how we move. So we're actually changing movement patterns and making them more optimal.
1: I followed all of that. And I'm pretty proud of myself for doing so. Um, (laughs) I just, you know, hey, why not? That's great. I love this approach because, again, it's educational. Instead of a, quote, personal trainer who will tell you, now go do this amount on this, and they'll show you, like, proper form or whatever, but they're not taking you back to like reset, like you're talking about and like starting from ground zero and then slowly, you know, start from zero and then incrementally moving up in the right way. I know that doesn't sound as different when I describe it out loud, but in my head, I can see the difference.
0: Totally. Because even if you have a really good trainer who's coaching you, keep your spine straight as you hinge forward, I call. I go in the side door because it's, again, knowing the brain. If your brain is super hardwired every time you reach over to the ground, you've done this movement and you've done it thousands, thousands of times, just to tell you, to instruct you to do it differently isn't enough. We have to kind of go in the side door into that part of the brain, again, that's so hardwired from those early years and start there. And create a fresh path as opposed to try and, you know, deal with this hardwired, almost rut of a path and try and change it. It's just almost impossible because if you, you know, started getting your spine straight, something else might, you know, leak out, as I would say. So it's it's all of it. It's how the system works together. How, you know, I call this the triple S and I introduce this to people right away. These are the primary curves of your spine. They are the most stable Curves, and when we find them, we are in a what's called a neutral spine. Neutral doesn't mean nothing, or it's the van- not vanilla. It's where you have the bones aligned in their most optimal way. The, the surface area—it's like if you're stacking, you know, what are they called? I call them Kiva blocks, but with my kids, but you know, if you were doing Jenga or something, yeah, you have to stack it in a way that's balancing. And then once you kind of move the stacking, so it's not having the most surface area you've lost the efficiency, you've lost some of the energy exchange. So neutral spine is where you are in the best alignment. So when you put your hand behind your head and move your skull back, that should line up with your scapula, your shoulder blades and your sacrum, which is right above your tailbone. Now that's an upright posture, but a lot of people are not in that. And so you can imagine if I'm not in that at like just a little bit, that's a lot of loss of energy. And, you know, when we go back to the mitochondria, what do we want? We certainly don't want to be losing energy. We want to, like, <laughs> hold on to it and then really amplify it. So you have to start with the, the structure and understanding why it's important to hold these structures and how to do it.
1: I can't help but adjust myself as I'm hearing you. I, I know. When people see You're doing it, too. So, so they're like, yeah. OK, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and yeah. I imagine and,
1: everybody listening is is also doing the same thing. and uh, And I'm, some of them probably while walking on a treadmill or outside or, you know, or, or driving in the car, they're adjusting in the seat. And, and that's just, I mean, again, that just goes to show that like, we're so used to not being aware of those data points until it's to the point of inflammation.
0: Exactly. And that's what happens is we ignore it. And the brain starts to like, say, this is less important. And then the pain receptors get like an influx of messages after so long you know? And so then you get the pain signal, then you get the discomfort. And that's when people say, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Or I throw out my back or this happened. And it's like, oh, buddy, that's been happening a long time. You know, it's just that one thing that provoked it to the point that those pain receptors really were soaked and they, you know, they, they spoke out, but you know, this is again about productivity, but it's about life. It's like, Don't we want to really feel like we are at home in our body and understand our home? And when you, I often say when you walk in a room and it's messy, and then you walk in a room and it's very organized, it's not that we necessarily say, oh, this looks great, but we feel different. We feel different when we walk into an organized space versus a messy space. Well, that's what we're doing in our body. We are organizing it. So that our nervous system feels the difference. At some level, when we are disorganized and a little messy in our home of our body, we sense it. We sense it and it comes out in different ways that we're not even like self-aware of. And that could be in anger. It could be in depression. It could be in all kinds of, you know, it could be pain. I just want to give ourselves a fighting chance to feel our best. And so it really starts in our body.
1: Yeah. You're reminding me that recently, and it might even, might it even have been the last episode or one or two episodes recently. Somebody corrected me where I, I used the, the phrase muscle memory and they corrected me and said, it's actually not your muscles. It's your nervous system. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And that's what you're talking about.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. It's the neural pathways. So like, if I really try to impress somebody, I'm basically like, I'm helping you create better neural mapping. It's like your own GPS. And if you have gone to the store the same way over and over again, you automatically do that. You've just developed that GPS. But all of a sudden I'm like, hey, guess what? This is five minutes shorter. It's You're gonna have to like struggle to not turn your, you know, like it's just so hardwired to go a certain path but you can eventually figure that out. So we're rebooting and rewiring these neural pathways so that you are ultimately more efficient and more energized because when you are moving well, you actually are very, you're more efficient. You know, you see that with dancers or runners who just look so effortless. It's, I say, yeah, they've worked on this a lot, but they are way more organized than the, you know, masses. And that's what makes it look so graceful because grace is defined as work with the least amount of effort. It's still work, but they're so organized and and um, kind of all the team players are showing up.
1: Well, and that's funny because often when people talk about productivity, they talk about efficiency and that's essentially what this is. It's, it's the least amount of energy for the most amount of output. And the more that you streamline and practice and guide slash where those neural pathways into a groove of the proper way of doing things and the proper way of being, the faster and less you know effort you have to exert to think, to move. And it's not just your body and your mind, but then your spirit and your emotions as well. Your momentum of all of you put together is in motion.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is effective on every single system. Like I always say, I could never do what I do if I didn't practice. I just, people, and I'm sure people look at you, like they're like, oh my God, you get so much done. It's like, yes, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't, it feels, some days feel long, some days feel full, but I I keep coming back and I have that resilience and that energy because I'm efficient in my body. I know the days where I kind of take off and don't do anything. I feel like a slug. My body is so used to being tuned even though I'm carrying it into the days where I'm not, I'm not the most awake on the days where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to totally chill out today. And it's fine. I, you know, it's not like my body needed it. I just kind of feel it. But I I know those days I'm like, I didn't really do much. It really felt like I can't even remember what my day was like versus the days where I'm moving every day. It's like my memory is sharp. My energy is sharp because I'm efficient.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like when we were kids, we didn't really think about this stuff. And we didn't have issues with this stuff. Now we do. So we have to pay attention more, but it will yield much more if we do. So
0: exactly. Exactly. We need to be more like kids.
1: Yes. Ah, man. I yeah, I because I see my son moving around. He's 10. I see him like just effortlessly just doing stuff like he's got another soccer game tonight. There was one last night, I think, or the night before. And I was just like, I what? How is he? Okay cool, whatever. But I'm like, no, I want to, I want to reclaim some of that. So.
0: We all need to have more of that childlike wonder and curiosity in our body, and in our life and play. So, you know, I'm 52 and I do some really challenging things that I would never have thought at 30 that I could do. And I really think that it is because instead of thinking, oh, I'm getting older, I should move less. I'm like, what if I try this? And I'm doing it with my understanding of the body. But this—it summons this childlike play. Like we need more of that. Why? Why all of a sudden? We, did we get so serious?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I same here. I'm just like, wait a second. I don't want to be old now. I want to be old later. And even then, I want to be youthful.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: This is a path to that. I want to get people connected to what you're doing with your podcast, redefining yoga, which is great. Great name too. And. I'd love to get people connected there as well as to everything else you're doing. Let's point people in that direction. Let's send them where is best for you to send them.
0: Yeah. So Lit Yoga is LitYoga.com. So it's L-Y-T. Again, like you said, it's an acronym, which we um medical people love, but it also it's like an onomatopoeia, like it makes you feel lit. Like I, again, this is efficiency, it's electricity, it's energy. I want everybody to feel lit up. So it's LitYoga.com. You can find my podcast link on there. You can find out more about me and about this method and my teachers on there and you can see a link it'll there's many of them that'll say start a free trial so that'll take you to my online platform it's called the lid daily we have different subscriptions we have some that are just the library of, we have over 800 classes in there. Like we have an office worker series, we have a beginner series, a foundational series, all the way up to much more kind of advanced in a sense. Advanced people have been doing it longer, but we have beginners as well. And then, you know, find me on Instagram, Laura, Lara, Hyman, and say hi to me there. I, I'm pretty active in my direct messages. I feel like it's my obligation to um, respond to people. I really believe in that. It's community. So if you have a question, hit me up there with anything and I will get back to you. But thank you so much, Naren.
1: Awesome. Perfect. I will make sure to link up to all of that in the show notes. And Lara, very, very excited to have been able to talk with you. I hope that everybody got something amazing out of this. I know that I am using this as kind of a jumping off point for myself as well. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Eric. And I will hold you accountable and give you some uh, access to my subscription so you can try it out.
1: Awesome. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Lara Hyman. I know that I really enjoyed getting a deeper and yet more simplified perspective from her on not just yoga, but movement and physical activity and presence and data from your body and how to be aware of that, how to use it, and how to start And I know there's a lot of people out there that this podcast conversation will be helpful for them. If you found it helpful, I'd love for you to think of somebody else that it would be helpful to, And do me the favor of sharing this episode with somebody. Hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice where you're listening, or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com and share it from there. Either way, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening. And I will see you next episode.